It's so great to write about our family or places we visit or things in our life that we take for granted. When you write about it, it becomes joyous. So many people are not interested in genealogy. It makes me scratch my head <laughs> because to me, life and living and love all fit together when you know people that are your family members. Earlier this year, my friend Lana's basement caught on fire. As Lana sorted through all that was burned and charred, she was overjoyed to find a box that remained mostly unscathed. A box of stories of her ancestors. For Lana, family history is much more than just tracking names and dates. It's writing the stories of those that have gone before, and particularly the legacies of strong women in her family. This is the Light You Have podcast, Story 2, Headlights and Taillights. I have a great-grandmother named Lunette Thorpe. She was born uh, with Santa Pete, Ute Indian in southeast Utah, and we didn't know much about her. I have very little stories about her, so I did some research, and... In the research, I found out her language, her, her probable Indian tribe, researched them a little bit. There was a Mormon missionary who lived among them and wrote down their language. And because of that, I was able to write some in this poem from what he had translated. And realizing, too, the stories I heard, the verbal stories was that she was adopted. Some of, I'm not quite sure if it's true, that the Indian couple that gave her to be adopted by a British couple I know is true, though, from that didn't have children, they adopted one of the twins. So I have the, this history now from the British couple, but nothing from her original family. So my mother was quite ashamed of her being Indian in Southeast Idaho because they see the Indian on the Fort Hall Reservation. They don't think Indian is being necessarily to be proud of. She was always worried about me because I saw something romantic and interesting in that and I still do. I love culture, I'm a person who loves international cultures and I find that the Indians had much to contribute. Now we look at them and we see a lot of sadness as they're on reservations and we go back and say, oh you have a great grandmother, I hear people say that, so it was Indian or great great grandfather. But the, the cultural itself over the years is something to be proud of. Not all Indians fit in a John Wayne movie and were the bad guys. Uh, they had great cultures and great families. So again, in the romantic note and yet true note of the horrible thing that happened to her, I'd like to read this poem. I wrote about her life. Lunette, how did you get such a name wearing your Indian skirt, silver buckle and distant smile, your brown skin standing out like a June dandelion in a field of white, dry grass, San Pete, Ute by birth and heritage, of sagebrush desert and endless plain. Who are you? Shrouded in mystery of the story in the 1800s in the Manti Mountains and high desert, weather severe, unpredictable, harsh. We nous say man, manu i, manu etapique, si re anu nous As I translated, ancient ones, all of them gone, all of them gone afraid all alone they say you were a twin traded for a milk cow 
adopted by a British couple with children of their own. Was your marriage to Hans from Denmark arranged when you left your high desert home for the weaving, wind-torn hills of Idaho? Thereafter, six children, your husband divorced you, and you were left alone to drift the solemn streets of the Snake River towns. The beat of steady drums upon the field of white grain and early snow beckon you. Ancients call your name and whisper for you to come home. Forefathers and mothers with their weathered arms outstretched long to hold you and fold you back into the dawn, to dance once again with the warm spring rain and sing with a crackle of fall upon the cottonwoods and birch, knowing that you are home again in universe of peace and blossoming sky. Sometimes we think in doing genealogy that we have to only tell the stories about family, love, and appreciation, but sometimes our real stories are not always written in an ivory pen and, and golden in terms of their being necessarily outstandingly positive. Many of us have relationship issues, and I was such a little girl. My dad died when I was a baby. My mother was left alone with six children. I remember so much of my doing and my daily living being alone. I never had young children around me as siblings or cousins. A few times we'd go and visit family members, but being raised alone in a big old house, I had to be inventive. And so I learned to care for my toys and read and do various things, but pretty much alone. Well, I remember this about my mother. We'd go visit my sister and her children. She had seven children and I, oh, I love these visits. So I wrote about this, and the title I wrote is Every Child Needs Touch. Driving back on Sunday evening in our 1950 mint green Chevy from visiting my oldest sister and her family, my mother would have both hands firmly gripping the steering wheel, especially because of the latest pre nine o'clock hour and her nervousness in being a new driver. She was in her forties, but a new driver. I would be in the front seat with my head resting near my mom my knees pulled up off the floor, listening to the hum of the car engine as I drifted in and out of sleep. I remember wanting to be held or comforted by my mother's touch, for her to reach over and touch or stroke my hair, even for a moment. But how could I ask that? I was resting beside her. I was a little daughter, the only child left at home after my father's death. I could have been her buddy, her sidekick, her little love. Instead, I felt little emotion or physical affection towards me. She was not a bad mother in any way. She ironed the sheets and pillowcases, dusted the furniture completely, regularly, sewed much of my clothing, and creme de la creme was cook extraordinaire. She provided all of my housekeeping needs and did not work outside the home in my school years. Rather, she was often in the kitchen preparing breakfast, lunch, dinner, or canning, making five-star homemade desserts. Every night was wonderful cooking. However, the joy of touch, especially to a young child, was not known. Her showing of love meant she would prepare the house for me. She was inside the house whenever I came home, always keeping busy with her craftiness, whether that was crocheting, making homemade aprons, embroidering dish towels, or sewing dresses for me for any occasion. She never just watched TV without sewing as she relaxed. 
The lonely consequence of little touch expression of love was the lack of bonding which permeated our lives together. Her way of showing love was little understood by a small-sized girl raised alone without siblings of her age or a dad to add to her comfort. It was not until I was in college studying counseling that I realized her love was there all along. But little understood by a tiny girl in beautifully sewn homemade dresses. I just wanted to add I that my counseling professor asked us to write about our parents, pick one parent, and talk about how they would have felt, what was their view of life, what experiences they had to make it hard. So I wrote about my mother. And in doing so, I realized, my goodness, she lost her father when she was 11. She was the middle child. Her mother couldn't take care of the farming. So she farmed the kids out to various relatives and took off to find a husband. So my mother was left alone. My mother, my grandmother brought back a husband who wasn't the best material. He physically, I think, probably hurt her and the younger brothers, took their money, went to the ballroom, gambled. She didn't have shoes often. She worked in the beets and got her feet cut on the bristles of the beet vines. She lost my father when she was 38 years old and had six children, didn't know how to drive a car, write a checkbook, or manage things by herself. So she became, and is raised kind of inward, didn't show that affection easily because of the tragedies that had happened to her. And yet it was important for me or for anyone to realize what happens to people to make them who they are. And in doing that, it helps us to understand them and again, to find that magic word of appreciation for the things they do that are positive and good. It's so great to write about our family or places we visit or things in our life that we take for granted. When you write about it, it becomes joyous. And I can say a recent example was my sister. She was 19, almost 19 when I was born and she was already married when I was born. And yet I continued to visit her throughout my life. Their place was like home. My brother-in-law accepted me. I was close to the children and that they lived on a farm. So I'd ride horses and bicycle and do all the farm things without the work. I loved it. Well, she died suddenly last February. I wrote her biography. And when I read that at the funeral, I was somewhat grateful that a lot of people did not know these things that I told about my sister. And it was the little things I talked about, not that she had written books or had been a world traveler. She hardly ever left her home. But the fact that the kind of person she was, the, the extreme patience, the loving nature, how she loved her kids and they would not really argue with each other, um, was an amazing fact about my sister. I miss her. And all of her grandchildren that were there and heard this, I think appreciated uh, my sister who was grandma, mother, friend, daughter, uh, that, that you could go to her house and they would always make you feel welcome and you could just talk and talk because they were always so welcoming. But when you look at her life and what she had gone through, she lost four sons before she had died, all within about a 10 year spectrum with various illnesses out of her seven children. She lost five recently. So the fifth one died a year and a half ago through heart ailments and burying her children. And oh my goodness, what she had gone through, but outstanding, wonderful character. And you find out that 
what makes the most difference is who we are, the kind of people we are, and how much we love others and they love us. So it was really great writing about my sister and sharing that with others. I got a lot of personal satisfaction in people saying, oh, I want a copy of that. I didn't know that. So those kinds of stories you find when you do genealogy make it really endearing. And you begin to see that when you see them again, so many people are not interested in genealogy. It makes me scratch my head <laughs> because to me, life and living and love all fit together when you know people that are your family members or anyone's life actually fascinates me. But now you see them, you see them, you talk to them. Oh my goodness, what joy that would be when you see your family, when you leave this life of these ancestors who have gone before you. And aren't you grateful for the sacrifice they did? Oh my goodness, some of them leaving their homes or a spouse or abuse of different kinds and those that gave their life for principles. How can you not see that and be grateful? And that gratefulness relates to being happy because what you found out, what you discovered about them that make you who you are. I want to thank Lana for sharing her stories with us. I love the story that she shared of herself as that little girl in the front seat of her mother's car. Her mother was so focused on the night driving, the nervousness of directing the headlights on the road, and Lana aching for her mother's comforting touch. Perhaps as they focused on the headlights, they were both a little uncertain of their life journeys. And I love to think of Lana now, with the clear recognition of her family members who have lit the path behind her and the understanding of her role as she continues to shine that light to the future generations ahead. It's a little bit like headlights and taillights lighting the way. And with that light, the journey seems a bit clearer. Thank you for listening.